passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is a lovely, lovely room. Oh, it would be a shame if something happened to it. Here we go. Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, my gosh. I'm John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. Welcome, everybody, to the show. What an edition of Raw we have to go through. Um, you know, there's those moments in life when you look back and you state, you know, this is this is why I, I follow pro wrestling. It's those, those magical moments, those nights that you'll never forget again. Tonight wasn't one of those nights at all. I will never remember the night of November 26, 2018, other than... Someone will ask me, what were you doing that night? And I'll have no answer. And once I dig deep, I'll realize I have no valid answer to give you. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, I, I question um, how many people sat through this entire show uh, besides you and I. I'll tell you. And it's astonishing to me that at minimum, they're still getting... 2.2 million people on average in the U.S. that watch that third hour. Hmm. And I, I watch this way, and I'm, I'm being sensationalistic at this moment. But I watch this show, and I cannot for the life of me, for the life of me, imagine how this is attracting new fans that have just heard about this thing called WWE and are going to give it a shot and are going to be lifelong fans from this day forward that were created uh, generations ago that are still watching today. I don't know how that is possible in this era to be watching a show like this and to make it through three hours. And maybe you don't need to be making it through three hours to be a fan. Maybe you don't need to be watching all this uh, wrestling. But I, it truly is stunning that they have the viewership that they do. I mean, uh, 
all credit to them. Mm-hmm. There are people still watching this. They are getting enormous money for this program. But I cannot explain to you how that's functional. Because, yeah. and I did not go into this show. Every week I start Raw, and I go in with the most, I, I'm looking forward to the show. Usually every Monday, I sit down. It's it's my routine. And I was I was into the beginning of this show, to be quite honest with you. But that third hour, oh my goodness. I don't know. I must have looked at my clock and played with my phone and done everything but want to watch this show during that third hour. Well, they do still have some good shows, and then um, they still have a lot of bad shows. This just happened to be, I would say, one of the worst that I could recall, uh, especially of the modern era. If I was to have come on the show tonight, Way, and said, you know what, Way, my power went out. What did I miss on Raw tonight? Hmm, okay. What would you tell me? Um, what what you was miss? What well, was in place that has changed after tonight's three hours? What is different among these characters I follow every week Baron Corbin I is missed G- out on? Baron Corbin is GM-elect. Alexa Bliss has been appointed to... Uh, Women's GM, I suppose. And, uh... Um... A man was vaccinated. Yeah. He's now immune to fans. Um... Which is kind of what this show felt like tonight. Oh, Drake Maverick pissed on Bobby Roode's robe. You missed that. Well, give me 180 minutes. I have to go relive all of this. No, it was... We will relive this. It was a really bad show. How was your weekend? Before we get into Raw. Uh, weekend was good. Yeah. Um, Do anything fun? Fuck, I always just don't remember. Like, you, you're asking me after, like, you know, watch, sitting f- through the show for three hours. And as a result, like, it feels like I've just lived through another week. And my weekend is just completely, like, the farthest thing from my mind right now. I feel You should keep a diary. Maybe I and should. And then you can reference your notes when you come on here. Oh. You know, Saturday... Went to, yeah. went to meet with our pal Ahmad for lunch. Right, yes, of course, did that. Um, it was nice to see Ahmad again. Very nice. He has a corn hat. Corn. Yes. Like the band yes. corn. The band corn. Yeah. That he wears uh, semi-ironically, but mostly non-ironically. He just happens to really love the band corn. And who doesn't? One of the great rock bands of uh, the two late 90s. So that was nice. Staple. That was nice. Um, we ordered a lot of food. No, way too much food. It was a mistake. Um, you know, I went home that night. We, we we met for lunch. I skipped dinner that night, and then I got home around one thirty in the morning. I was still full from lunch. I didn't eat anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, beans and that stuff kind of stays in your system for a bit. I I didn't have any beans. Oh, yeah, you don't like beans, yep. Um, did some shopping. Christmas shopping or just shopping? Oh, just like Black Friday shopping. Um, bought an Instapot, a pressure cooker. Are you familiar with those? I am, yes. Do you Have you used one? I haven't used one, but uh, a family member recently got one. See, are these like new inventions or something? I don't know if it's a new thing. It seems like it's all the rage at the moment. Yeah. So, Have you tried it out? Not yet, no. Oh, I, are we going to get your own talking snack? 
No, you're not. I mean, I probably won't be the one using it all that much, to be honest. But um, uh, it's it's somewhat ex somewhat exciting. Yeah. Per Sorry. Uh, I wish I had. I want to know more about your instant pot. No, you haven't you tried can't. this. It hasn't produced any anything instantly yet. I will let you know. Okay. Okay. Um, I bought a push cart as well. If you must a, know, if a we push must, cart. If we must delay this conversation that much more. Well, we don't have to delay it much, much more. Okay, let's get into it. Let's okay. rip it off like a Band-Aid. I was waiting for you to ask me how my weekend was, but it was just tremendous way. It was wonderful. Oh, what did you do? Uh, not much. Let's get into the news. We have much to discuss. Uh, first of all, uh, so uh, the WrestleTalk outlet, they had this report that came out on Monday about some new contracts that the NXT UK, uh, several members of the roster have been signed to. This is not everybody, but it seems like it is a uh, quite a number of people on the NXT UK brand that it's going to be a bit of a bump in salary. And it's also going to eliminate their ability to work outside of the NXT UK branded shows, as well as ones where there are some affiliations with uh, this would include uh, progress, ICW, uh, you have uh, Trent Seven's promotion, you have uh, the group that Pete, Dung, Pete Dunn is involved with as well. Uh, it's about six different groups, WXW in there, and I think everyone is seeing what this is now, that now that the WWE has fully penetrated the UK scene, this is what everyone anticipated. It was going to be slow movement, and at some point bringing in all this talent, and eventually shutting out all those that don't have any kind of connection to the WWE. And that's what is happening now at the moment. And on top of that, even the partner promotions, uh, Mike Johnson had this, was that they will be allowed to work these companies' uh, shows like a Progress or a WXW, but they cannot have those matches streamed or presented in, other, in any other form uh, except for the live audience, which is kind of what Evolve just got finished. Uh, they just ended that, and now they're finally allowed to stream matches. So it's the complete opposite in the UK and makes it very difficult. If you're a progress, that if you want to book, let's throw out a Pete Dunn or a Tyler Bate, probably a Walter now that's going to fall into this category, is that these guys aren't going to be cheap. And on top of it, you can't even promote them beyond selling tickets to come see them. You can't stream them. I think it it's... Almost, I won't say pointless for these companies to use these guys, but it's very cost prohibitive when you can't even make it back by being able to stream them. So I, I think that this is a big move and it's only going to be larger as the WWE's footprint in the UK uh, continues to increase going into 2019. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the, the, the WWE uh, signing all this talent, they've given them a, a, trem a tremendous amount of leeway, at least compared to, you know, how they would traditionally hire people. Uh, for them to work independence, but that I saw largely as a re, uh, a result of them not having enough for those guys to do, and just simply wanting to you know grab them under contract so it, so you know rival competitors wouldn't be able to grab them. Um, but now it seems like they are looking to hope perhaps do more with their UK brand. More importantly, you know it seems like guys like you know uh, Trent Seven or Pete Dunn are real difference makers for their competitors. And at this point, I mean, I feel. 
you know, it's really unfortunate for those other companies, but um, the WWE, I, I think it's kind of within their right. It's also quite different, you know, when you're talking about, uh, you know, guys like Pete Dunne or Tyler Bate, uh, who, you know, are, to my to me, are big draws versus, you know, your Fabian Eichners and your Street Profits appearing on an Evolve, where, you know, I don't see them really garnering that much attention uh, away from, you know, um, or, or for, like, it's a, it, it, for, it, it, that relationship kind of benefits those guys more, gives them experience uh, more so than it, I would say, you know, affects NXT in any way. I would say, though, um, maybe the WWE is going to be increasing. Like, they're not touring right now in the UK. They're doing two dates a month of these television tapings. So if you're someone like a Tyler Bate that's not being booked by the WWE all that often, you've kind of affected uh, their ability now to go out and get dates. And now, if they can't even have their matches streamed, uh, there, there's kind of like this tag attached to them that they're not as enticing as they were a week ago. If if these companies can't recoup that money by being able to put them on their on their live stream, so I, I think that if these guys aren't getting more dates as a result of it, uh, in the interim, they're going to be doing less shows, not more. Potentially, yeah, potentially. Uh, I you know we don't know how much of a pay increase the WWE would have given this talent. Hopefully, it's enough to kind of account for all that. Uh, but you know, I would, I would hope that, you know, it, it, this, this might also mean that WWE UK in some form is looking to produce more content and let those guys work, even if it's not for the UK brand. And we get a lot of those guys here. Uh, the problem is right now, there's just so many people and, you know, how are they going to find that, that time to, to fit everybody that they have? Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously a push that if you want to see these performers, you're going to have to pay to see them in a WWE slash NXT ring. And that, um, yes, they may be able to go work for WXW and progress and they can draw people live. But I, I think that it's going to be difficult now for these promotions to use them when you I, I just think that especially the ones that are actually working with WWE, um, you know, you can understand one aspect to it is that you don't want to undercut yourselves when you go over there. And some of these television tapings have not been doing a tremendous numbers that, Hey, if I can go watch this guy at a progress show, uh, I don't need to go to the NXT tapings to see him as well. So you, you have that at work, but I think that those that were kind of looking at this very optimistically at the beginning of the WWE working with all these promotions, uh, I think you're now seeing, you know, if you were a cynic at the time, you're kind of looking good here at the end of this, that this was probably always going to be the plan. And I think you're naive if you didn't think that the WWE would eventually be restricting where these guys can go. And even in finishing up their dates, it looks like they're not going to be able to work against talent uh, at Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan, and World of Sport. Clearly looking at those four as competitors. And... I mean, we've even seen like locally here, Wade, that where uh, Destiny, they've booked uh, Pete Dunne and they had, I think it was a match with him and Austin Aries at, at one point that yeah. they, they were doing like matches that you were very surprised that the WWE was allowing. And that kind of showed you the flexibility that some of the UK talent had that they could book themselves and they weren't even being restricted on what companies they could work their talent for. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that, you know, the fans in the end kind of suffer for not being able to see those dream matches that were, I think, a real novelty um, for, for people 
you know, who get who get the chance to see them live. But um, I just kind of didn't like no one going into this, I think, expected the WWE to just want to foster this great environment for all these independent companies to flourish. It's they are a business and they're known, you know, historically for monopolizing everything in the end. Uh, if it's a, no longer a, a relationship that benefits them or, nor their talent, they will pull it all away. So I'm very curious to hear uh, Martin, Ollie, and Benno talk about this. Uh, they will have a show this Wednesday. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, Ollie's going to be away this week, but Martin and Benno are going to be joined by Will Cooling, who does uh, a lot of great writing for uh, Fighting Spirit magazine. Uh, he's going to be on with them, and I think they're going to have uh, a great show this week. Lots of stuff to talk about with the WWE's moves in the UK. And on top of that, um, the news coming out today uh, from PW Insider that it looks like Walter has been signed by the group as well. And, you know, I I had heard whispers about this, that this was something that the WWE was uh, working towards. And it sounds like Walter is going to be signed with the intent of being used uh, on the UK division. And that would be a big positive for him. It's not having to uproot himself he is the head trainer at the WXW Training Academy, which, I mean, maybe they would insist that he stop doing that, but I would that always seemed to be a very big priority to him, that it seems that he could, in theory, be able to do the NXT UK shows and also still uh, wrestle around Europe and do his duties with WXW. Uh, and not knowing what the restrictions are, uh, this was a guy that was on their radar for a long time and going after him that um, I'm sure he was able to work out a deal that was uh, a good one for him as well, that, he, you know, he had his priorities that he wanted to maintain. And it does it, it adds a pretty big name to the NXT UK brand whenever he's going to debut, probably next year. Yeah, to me, like Walter was definitely one of the, the biggest free agents that were out there that, you know, not not part of the elite. And uh I think he was also, uh, to me, a big standout this past year during WrestleMania weekend. Um, it's He seems to be an interesting case in that, like, he seems to have a lot of, like, loyalty to, you know, his his home, um, I guess, region. And uh, I'm kind of curious maybe how, how his uh, relationship with, with all those other companies will, will, will work now, now that he's signed to UK, NXT UK. I'm almost, in a way, a little bit disappointed that he's going to be strictly uh or restricted to that uk brand whereas i feel you know great like most of those guys on that uk brand um should really be i think making their way towards the main roster i don't know if being on the uk brand kind of uh limits kind of their ceiling or maybe just adds another obstacle for them so that they would have to go to nxt uk then nxt proper before they get to the main roster but you know uh, having said all that after watching tonight's episode of raw I'm guessing most uh, Walter fans wouldn't really want that to happen anytime soon. Yeah, imagine Leo Rush with Walter <laughs> yelling his name over and over, and uh, they they piss on his uh, his ring robe as he's coming down the, the aisle. I, I really don't think that Walter has that desire uh, to have to move to the U.S., uh, because if he did, that's where he would be, I would mm-hmm. think. So uh, I feel that that's more his decision than the WWE's. Uh, but you know, he, he's a good pickup for them. But again, it's it's another key piece of that, that European scene that the WWE now has 
now has at least uh, significant control of, not knowing what his uh, restrictions or lack thereof are going to be. Uh, you know, you would assume that he's going to have one of those deals where he can work, he can still work for progress in WXW, but, um, and, and also coming out of this is, where are those companies going to be six to eight months from now? Are they going to be part of the WWE network when they introduce that tiered system? And are they just going to be swallowed up by, by WWE in time? Um, you know, or, these will are, they, or will they just be have their talent cherry picked from them? Which yeah. I think for WWE would be perhaps even the more cost effective solution than to buy or, or continue promoting and working with other companies. Yeah, I mean, it's all... It, it's all very much a a very interesting time to be watching the UK scene because you can make a lot of comparisons to when the WWF first, first made their national expansion, how they treated a lot of the territories. And now you're seeing kind of a new age version of this where they're going to this part of the world that they felt was untapped. And now they, they have a foothold in the UK. Uh, also yeah. news coming out of this is that they have sold out the takeover special that's coming up on January the 12th. And Maybe that's where you'll first see Walter uh, just happen to have a ringside ticket. I'm just kind of like amazed that like their talent depth is so incredible right now in the WWE. Yet I spent like 10 minutes today watching No Way Jose versus Jinder Mahal on Raw. So it's all well and good that they're paying all this money to, to grab all the best people from the indies. But... Uh, when are, you know when when is it actually going to affect i would say you know their actual main main roster product yeah and you know none of this talent are guarantees to make it to the main roster and if they do there's the major hurdle of are they going to get over like there is a star creating problem at the moment and with, with the WWE i mean they've been hit with a lot of injuries and some things that are out of control but the talent that is there that is within their control. And there's certainly tonight's episode of Raw was certainly a you could put a microscope on that of you know, you're very short on stars at the moment. You have a lot of bodies that are under contract, but very few stars at the moment on the main card. And I think that that is uh, directly affecting their their house show business and an overall interest in the product at the moment is just a lack of stars. Have you heard of any other recent signings? Well, there's going to be another NXT class coming in in January, and it's expected uh, ACH will be part of that group. Shane Strickland, who was a, a kill shot that everyone remembers uh, from Lucha Underground, and Trevor Lee look to all be part of that group. And who knows who else? Like, they are aggressively going after tons of people at the moment, and I'm sure it's not going to stop at that. It's It just seems like it's an arms race to grab as much independent talent and whether the motives are we genuinely have plans for this talent and want this talent, or if it's just a preventive measure that we don't want anyone else to have this talent. I'm guessing it's a bit of both. Um, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, okay. I mean, the thing is I'm, I'm, I'm personally not that concerned for a lot of the independents out there because there's always somebody new coming up all like there's just an incredible amount of talent that's still undiscovered right now mm, but you know i guess i guess we'll see if they ha if wwe decides to pay for everybody then it could certainly put a dent into the rest it's also how functional a non wwe affiliated promotion can be 
whether it's in the UK, whether it's in the US, to be honest, that if you are losing all of this talent and just trying to replace it, yes, you will have people that can step up. And there's a great depth of talent that is unsigned and talent that you haven't even heard of right now that are uh, coming up and learning things that we can't even imagine. But it's it's also, is there enough fan support that if you are uh, a UK consumer and you're following the NXT product and maybe you go to a few independent shows, now all the stars you've been watching at all these various independents, now they're all under one roof. Uh, am I going to be spending my money elsewhere or am I just going to dedicate it to following the stars I'm familiar with? It's, it's very tough to keep up w- with the WWE machine when they are on such a signing spree and you just can't draw at the same level and and be able to create new stars for your your own independent company i'd like to see them you know sometime in the near future like start to ramp up their their nxt production i think yeah yeah, we're at a point now where i think none of us are really complaining about too much content but with all this talent like i i wouldn't really mind them you know upping the level amount of takeovers that they do every year with all the people that are on their TV, um, if they can maintain that quality, of course. Well, I think the long-term play is that what you're seeing in the UK at the moment with NXT UK, the goal is to have satellite promotions all over the world. And then suddenly talent out of the Performance Center in Orlando, it's going to be exported to different places in the world. And you're not going to have all that talent just being funneled up through the domestic version of NXT. You can send a talent to... NXT Australia, NXT Japan, NXT Germany. Just that's the goal is to have these companies all over the place. And maybe they're not uh, a year away from that, but that's that's the goal. That is Paul Levesque's major goal of local globalization and putting NXT uh, promotions all over the world. I guess I guess my question is, is that the most effective use of all that talent? Like NXT UK has been running for a few months now. How much traction do you think it's received in uh, worldwide versus you know them incorporating all that talent into NXT proper? Well, the problem is that you just don't have enough slots for all of these guys. Maybe you have slots. so many people that are just how but you create. Yeah, Very you can do that. I, I mean, it's. I, I guess it's they're looking at countries that are starved for WWE wrestling that they feel they can draw locally in. Um, the UK is a market that I, I don't know if there's necessarily that. Uh, the, people are not starving for great wrestling there because they have an abundance of it. But if you were to open a, a WWE NXT brand in a country that doesn't get WWE, that it's fresh. If there was a NXT Australia, if there was a NXT, I mean, pick, pick your country. The hope is that we can cash in on countries that are starved that we can't send our main roster to because we just they we can't fit them into our our touring schedule um i mean that's the hope whether it's going to be successful that's that's another question yeah i guess i just kind of question limiting the talent that you're signing to that specific region that where they're from i don't necessarily see the point of that you know i think nxt nxt itself i would argue is you know if you're a ricochet there's no reason that guy should not be on the main roster right now adam cole I mean, these guys are in NXT, but it's not, uh, to me, their ceiling should not be NXT. It should be the main roster. So I wouldn't argue that NXT is necessarily, you know, the the pinnacle either. 
No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, you know, hiring UK talent or European talent specifically for a UK brand, uh, limiting them from, you know, interacting with, with other people around the world. I don't, personally, that's not how I see professional wrestling. I think the best wrestlers in the world should face other best wrestlers in the world, regardless of, of kind of what, what territory that they're from. I mean, I would hate to have Walter stuck, you know, in Europe and not be able to go to America to wrestle American talent or Japanese talent. Right. And I, I think that, you know, he's a unique case, though. I think that that's more so on him than it is WWE earmarking him for for, for that part of their, their territory in, in the UK. But you're right. Like, there's going to be guys that are signed. And I think that there will be that mentality that you are being signed for this role in this part of the world. And it's it's going to be much more difficult to to navigate that system if you're just wrestling weekly in in, somewhere in Asia to, and your goal is to get to the main roster, uh, you're probably not going to be on the radar like someone that's wrestling out of Orlando. And when it comes to call-up time, uh, who are you looking at? The the person that we don't even follow that's halfway across the world versus someone here in Orlando that we do have a, a sense of and is wrestling uh, in the U.S. on the NXT shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly wanted to just uh, briefly talk a bit about the uh, the passing of uh, Larry Matizik over the weekend. Uh, he had been in bad health for, for quite some time, dealing with a spinal stenosis and just uh, a series of uh, different diseases. Um, he had this bone deterioration disease um, that he was uh, diagnosed with back in January. He had also suffered a number of strokes. He was uh, 72 uh, when he passed away on early Sunday morning. Uh, he had entered a hospice care and... Larry Matizik had pretty much spent his entire adult life in professional wrestling. He first met uh, Sam Mushnick when he was 15 years old and just following St. Louis Wrestling on KPLR and started writing about the wrestlers and the programs. And he actually had some of his writing published in Ring Magazine, which was you know a very, very big sports magazine at the time, just as a fan writing in. And he wrote a letter to Sam Mushnick, who got back to him, and it led to a job working in the office, uh, which he ended up being a full-time office worker by 1970. And he came from a journalism background and was, you know, to me, the preeminent historian when it came to St. Louis wrestling. The guy had an incredible memory of all the major angles and working as Sam Mushnick's right-hand man. He was privy to a lot of uh very, very important historical information and being right there in in the midst of it. So he was with St. Louis uh, even past when Sam Mushnick retired, which was in uh, 1980, uh, 1982, where he did the retirement show. And he stuck around there for a little bit longer. It was when Sam Mushnick retired shortly after his wife died. And then Bob Geigel took over running the St. Louis Wrestling Club. And it was a very different presentation of St. Louis wrestling, which was always presented very much as a sport. And Sam Mushnick, who was a very big deal in the St. Louis community, um, presenting something that was very respectable and a certain philosophy to their pro wrestling, which was different than a lot of other professional wrestling in the United States at the time. So Larry Matizik eventually broke off and was starting to run in opposition to Bob Geigel. And that's when the WWF started, uh, making their way into many different parts of the country. And St. Louis was one of the first cities they targeted. And it ended up with uh, Vince McMahon and Larry Matizik 
uh, being paired together to to work together. And Larry ended up essentially just becoming a consultant that was very much out of the loop and just left on the payroll. And he stayed with the WWF through uh, the fall of 1993. And during this time, it's kind of not that different from just our previous discussion about all the uh, the UK stuff. During this time, when he's on the payroll to the WWF, he was still running independent shows in St. Louis and getting stuff off the ground. And during that time, of course, his closest friend in the industry, I guess his mentor would have been Sam Mushnick, but his closest friend was Bruiser Brody, who died in 1988. And when he died, that was a definitely a very devastating loss for Larry, who kind of lost his passion for wrestling at that time. Uh, but anyway, he stayed with the WWF through 1993 and, you know, kind of kept abreast on professional wrestling. And then it was into the 2000s when, uh, so Sam Bushnick had passed away in 1999 and Larry Matizek had the St. Louis wrestling tapes. They deleted a lot of them, but he saved, uh, you know, about 60 hours worth of those tapes and you'll remember Record, the recorded off of VHS or something recorded. Yeah, off of these TV. were like his personal. His, it was like his personal tapes that he had saved of wrestling at the chase that he had control of. So, you know, very valuable. The fact that he had saved what he did. Unfortunately, most of it had been deleted at the time because they just weren't saving tapes with the idea they would have any value down the road. So when the WWF launched their 24 seven service, it was a uh, Jim Ross who met with Larry Matizik to try and work out a deal in 2005. And that's when you and I were at the fight network and Larry had come into contact with, I guess it was Mike Garrow, who was the president of the fight network. And he opted to sell the tapes to the fight network, which launched in September that year. And I feel that they had the rights to it uh, when the, sh when the channel launched in, in September that year. And, I have no doubt that he took a much lesser deal to sell it to uh, the Fight Network, but he was he was really impressed with the Fight Network being a channel that was going to dedicate a lot to professional wrestling and seeing it as kind of this this underdog. And he had a lot of concerns about selling that footage to the WWF, where they would just bury the footage or not use essentially not utilize it to its uh, to its most uh, optimal use. So it went to the Fight Network. And while they did air it, I, I never felt like much was made of those tapes. And it was, you know, some really historical stuff that they had, even the, the limited amount that had been saved. Yeah, formatting those tapes for a, a broadcast was actually like one of my first tasks when I became an intern at the Fight Network. So uh, this news kind of came to me, um, you know, uh, in like I felt, I feel really sad about it because I think Larry's voice is just like those early days at the Fight Network. We would hear all the time when we were cutting those shows. Like you know, everybody would be like, "Dibias, side saddle suplex," or you know, like doing their own Larry Matisic impressions. And uh, so he became it, Brent Blanchard's favorite wrestling announcer of all time because yeah. he was always editing those tapes. So you know, uh, unfortunate uh, news. But you know, if you you mentioned those tapes, the I believe Fight Network still or Anthem still owns that collection because uh, I looked it up and it's it's actually available on the uh, GWN app. All those yes. uh, St. Louis wrestling tapes. Uh, I believe there are like twelve of them. Yeah. So I, I mean, that was kind of how I got um, introduced to Larry and ended up, you know, chatting with him like on and off for. For a number of years, and I remember uh, one trip when he came up to here to Toronto, 
uh, when he was he was involved with ECW Press and wrote several books uh, for ECW Press who are based out of Toronto. And he was doing a book tour up here. And I just remember one night that he was he was stay. We did an interview with him for uh, Fight Network Radio. And then that night he was heading back to his hotel, which just happened to be across the street from where I lived. And he invited me over to the to the lobby and we ended up just sitting there for the whole night, just chatting about uh, different aspects of his career in the wrestling business. And I just found it fascinating. And uh, his wife was there and she like tapped out after uh, probably like two or three hours. And I just remember that night just just kind of picking his brain and chatting about all this like wrestling history. And it was just phenomenal what this guy's memory was. He could remember every angle. He could remember what a show drew what what worked, what didn't work, and he followed the the current stuff as well at the time. Like he was always up on what the WWF was doing, and even following UFC as it got popular as well. When when TNA was getting onto Spike TV, uh, you know, someone that uh, I think had a great historical comparison and working so close with a major power broker like Sam Mushnick. And comparing it to Vince McMahon's presentation of professional wrestling that I think he looked at uh, Vince McMahon somewhat begrudgingly, but acknowledging he has been successful, but also that Vince McMahon was a very different promoter than Sam Mushnick, who was just this, you know, essentially, I think what Vince McMahon kind of wanted uh, where he was a well-respected figure within his world, uh, I think Vince always wanted that, but his actions did not exactly attract that kind of respect from the mainstream world. Hmm. Anyway, so I uh, just wanted to mention uh, a bit about that. Um, he was, again, we mentioned he was 72 years old and the funeral will be this Sunday in uh, Belleville, Illinois. And uh, I also wrote a story that you can check out uh, up on the website at postwrestling.com. So with that, let us get into raw. It is finally time to talk about this show. From Milwaukee at the Fisserv Forum, brand new arena, Fisserv. I believe, in Milwaukee. How do you, how do you spell that? The F I S E R V. Fisserv, Fisserv. Yes. It's fun to I say. Believe, I believe it just opened because the UFC is running their final Fox card in this arena in a couple of weeks. So Fisserv, Fisserv. Yeah, it doesn't. Okay, it's I'm a US, sure. U.S. provider of financial services technology. Fisserv. Okay. All right. All righty. Yeah, it just opened in August. Well, that's great. What, what, do, you, what do you think an arena like this goes for, Way? Uh, the Fisserv Arena holds, uh, holds 17,500 um, people. What do, what do you think this thing costs? Are we talking Black Friday deals or, or regular price? Regular way. All in. Okay. What would you pay for this venue? Maybe to, uh, to have it to uh, have it maybe constructed. Half a, half a billion dollars. Damn. I don't know. Five hundred and twenty-four million. Oh wow, cool. Man, you've you've got your finger on the pulse of the stadium construction you can game. Call me. I don't know what you accounting. Oh, that. During construction, it didn't have a sponsor, so it was called the Wisconsin Entertainment and Sports Center. Well, that's nice. That's great. Awesome. Let's be honest. It it sounds like Fisher, doesn't it? Um, no, we're not really. Don't Google that if you don't know what that is. Graphic image, probably. Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley are with Leo Rush in the ring. And Baron Corbin mocked all of the people for all the carbs they ate at Thanksgiving. 
This crowd <laughs> was just pissed. They're like, go to hell. Then they took turns st- stating what they were thankful for, including their beatdown of Braun Strowman last week, which they showed highlights of. And again, this is obviously, uh, you know, this has happened now several times over the past month. But once again, no shying away from, from the blood, which that was automatic. It would be black and white or they wouldn't show it. And now it's the focal point of a video package like this where Braun's elbow was all bloody. And I think that they have crossed that line and have no problem showcasing blood any, any longer. Do you know if the show's still rated PG? It is still PG. PG-13, PG. It's PG. Yep. Okay. PG I guess for there, 10 years. There are no restrictions against showing blood. No, I, I don't. I've always thought that the blood, I think what freaked out WWE is that people believe that they're slicing each other up. And that's, that was their concern. Like uh-huh. if you were to watch a, a hockey game, you will see blood every now and then. If you watch a sporting event, you're going to see blood and it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Um, yeah. I, I've never looked at blood as a, as a major uh, turnoff other than there is a certain uh, health concern, I guess with, you know, guys just, cutting each other open and potential problems you can have exchanging blood. But the actual visual of it, I I never saw that as something that was going to frighten people too much. I mean, maybe the wrong sponsor. Well, WWE doesn't even put sponsors on the mat, so I can't even use that argument. Like if if the UFC had a logo and someone's blood was all over your logo, they've never had that problem either. Dude, that'd be great. If I was Bud Light and my like your blood canvas was all bloody, that's yeah, isn't that what you want? That that criticism was always brought up about you know a sponsor getting squeamish if they saw their logo with blood, and it's been how many years of those sponsors on the logos, and I've never heard a story like that in the UFC ever, or in boxing for that matter. Yeah, so how about piss though? (laughs) For all the things that they concern themselves about, for like public image and what's going to offend people. It is funny where their line is. Yeah. And where their line does not exist. How PG is that? Pissing on a man's robe in a toilet. We'll get to that. Corbin says you're not going to see Braun for a long time. And how did he emphasize this? Here's Braun. He's in Birmingham, Alabama with a one shot. Uh, I guess uh, we had uh, Lloyd Youngblood uh, just filming this. And he's got uh, a very bruised... Arm and elbow. Might have been makeup on this song. Oh, I think it was. I don't think Bone Spurs produced uh, this <laughs> this graphic um, bruising of an arm, it, which Braun said the doctor has never seen an injury like before. Yeah, that arm looked like like a, uh, a like a, it was going to be amputated. Or I was going to say it looked like the Milky Way. Like it looked like um like the aurora aurora borealis in color and scope. Vince has such a hang-up with his monsters when they're hurt. If you remember back during the uh, the summer of the liver enzymes, it was like all these guys had to fall off. They were doing a Great American Bash pay-per-view, and all these guys ended up having to fall out of the show, and there were a pair of guys that had liver enzymes. That was the reason. And Great Khali was one of them. And the only person that Vince McMahon was pissed that this news got out was Great Khali because he can't, he can't have a human condition like liver enzymes. Yeah, he doesn't have a liver. God damn it. Man doesn't need bile. 
I'm going to try and calm down my Vince voice. I went to it way too much last week. Uh, uh, oh, I disagree. But this might be a tough episode for me to get through without it. But anyway, so for Braun here, I mean, it's it wasn't all that different from Becky. She didn't suffer a broken nose. She suffered a broken face. Mm-hmm. And with Braun, he has a shattered elbow that is such a bad injury. This doctor has never seen it. And his arm is so big, they're not sure if they have the proper tools to even fix him. He's just so big. Yeah, he says doctors have never worked on an arm this size before. (laughs) Yes. Braun calls them spineless slime balls. And he says that the injuries he's going to inflict on them when he comes back will be like, this arm injury will be a paper cut in comparison, what he's going to do to them. He wishes them a happy holidays and then says, you're going to get these hands, but he can't clench his fists. He's in so much pain as we cut away. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, and this was legit. He was in Birmingham for his surgery Monday. Mm-hmm. I, I just I guess I, sometimes I wonder if, if segments like this uh, help somebody like Braun Strowman or if you're better off to not show him at all. Uh, I guess they wanted some presence of him on TV, but typically, like, I feel like if an Austin were to get injured this way, you just simply wouldn't hear from Steve Austin for weeks until he was ready to come back rather than to kind of deliver this, like, update from, you know, an operating table. Yeah, you run him over with a car. Yeah. because For the people. Yeah. And for The Rock. Yeah, and then you wouldn't hear back from him until he comes back. So... I wonder if this was necessary. Corbin says he's not going to be back for TLC, but the match is still on. And once it happens, he'll win by forfeit to become the permanent general manager. So my guess is that they have set this up in the event that Braun cannot do the match and they can come up with another idea if they want. But I think they're leaving the door open. If he is able to do it, he'll do the match. But I would say after getting... Elbow surgery done. I don't know if doing a TLC match three weeks later is the best rehab. No, probably not. I would say staying away is, is the best rehab. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure you can work around the injury, but um, yeah, we'll see. And then he asks, Baron asks, the raw talent, are you going to be on the right or wrong side of history? A term that was used no less than 4,825 times on tonight's episode of Raw. Interesting. Yeah, wow. What do you... I'd say after the... I would say after the last month, the only person that was on the right side of history might have been Daniel Bryan. Hmm, right. The lights go out, and Elias appears, prompting Renee to shout, Yes! Out of nowhere. We hadn't even seen the announcers yet. And Elias called Bobby Trashley, made a child joke about Leo Rush, and then sang a song called Bobby Lashley Sucks. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I have nothing to say. Let's just I'm just, I'm just, just leaving on. it open. In, you know, in case don't, you... don't give me these pauses. I have nothing I'm sorry. To, to add. Bobby Lashley and Elias. This was a giant pause in the show. McIntyre, Rush, and Baron are on the floor. Elias started off with these chops, and Lashley gets sent to the floor. Elias and McIntyre had a face-off, and it allows Lashley to drive him into the post and then the apron, going through the break. And then Elias is in the midst of a comeback, 
And the audience is getting behind Elias. He lands a flying knee, top rope elbow drop, and has the match won when Leo Rush pulls the referee to the floor. Corbin then uh, said that he was cut off from... Oh, Corbin had said he was cut off from speaking earlier and announces this is now a no-DQ match and restarts the match. So Elias gets his guitar. Corbin attacks him from behind. Everyone's chanting, Corbin sucks. Lashley stomps the guitar, breaks it. And then Corbin attacks Elias with a chair over and over. They take turns sending him into the barricade, the apron. There's a Claymore kick on the floor. And then McIntyre lifts him with the inverted Alabama slam onto the steps, which I thought did look impressive. Man, I don't know how you protect yourself from from that move. God, like you you lift him really hard. Try and get your hands up as much as possible. And then Lashley runs around the perimeter of the ring, spearing Elias. This got a lot of heat, this Mm -hmm. beatdown. And Lashley then poses inside the ring, kneeling on top of Elias for the win. Uh, I will say the big part of this was the audience really treated this group as heels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was this was one of the only heated segments on the show. So I don't have much negative to say about the beginning of this show. It feels night and day when, you know, thinking about the reaction that the crowd gave for this match and the main event only oh. three hours later. But I found this very effective on all levels. They managed to give Elias, I think, the best babyface match he's had since he's turned. Uh, Like, I don't know if he's improved or where exactly he's improved, but the crowd certainly got behind him. His elbow drop, I thought, delivered a great near uh, near finish for this audience, and it got a ton of heat on the heels. I really like this faction of McIntyre, Lashley, and Corbin. I think, you know, they're all very distinct, and they each feel like they play a significant role. I would say it's a bit of a lateral lateral move for Drew McIntyre coming from the uh, Dolph Ziggler uh, team to this team. But for Lashley, at least, I think it's the best I've seen him since he's returned. Was it pretty telling that Dolph was not aligned with this group? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I mean, he was also like, wasn't he injured too until recent? He had a, he had a foot injury and he didn't work Starcade on Saturday, uh, but he's mm-hmm. obviously been cleared. Yeah, but they seem to have no plans to align him with this. Well, I think the big thing is it's the Giants, right? They want the three big monsters, and then they tower over the manager in Leo Rush. Mm -hmm. That I don't think visually they feel Dolph fits in with this group. Unfortunately, that means Dolph doesn't fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. Unless they have some idea for him, which it didn't seem like they did tonight. Baron starts yelling at this PA backstage and then fires the man. Alexa Bliss walks in and called that very impressive and thinks he's doing an amazing job and offers to help. So Baron says, cool, you can oversee the women's division. And Graves repeats that Alexa wants to be on the right side of history. I'm not going to bring up that term every time it was used tonight, but it was just so painfully obvious. It was one of those, just their their phrase of the night that they had to hit you over the head with over and over and over and over again. Probably the title of this episode of Raw on the rundown. Remember when they used to do that? On the on the network, yes. Remember when we used to do that? Title these these podcasts. Remember the night it took us forty five minutes to come up with a name for our hour and a half show, and that's why we stopped naming our shows. Um, you know, and then like there was one point in this segment where Bar- at the end where Baron says, "You look good, I look good. It's that simple." <laughs> now what is? Like I guess that's you know just that's just heel logic for for him hiring somebody. She's he's hiring her based 
on what uh the fact that she looks good like what does that have to do with anything but he did bring up she led the team to victory so it's right. um why? it's it's equal uh talent and but looks are a component so was he was he hitting on her here um somewhat yeah i guess okay is that good this is, is, that this a, is a professional of, workplace environment is that part of a story or is it just like something a heel does hits on his colleagues I look at the Baron Corbin character as asexual, so I don't know if he was making a pass at this woman. Interesting. Well, I never thought about any. I never thought about any anything involving sex with Baron Corbin. Well, now you have. Uh, yeah, let's move on. So I can't make my deep six joke. Oh, um, okay. There was a recap of Ambrose and Rollins fighting last week, and then Ambrose was with a doctor. This might have been Zahorian. He calls Milwaukee a toxic dump, and he's not going to expose himself there. So he's a germaphobe. That's the heel turn. He's afraid of smells, and he's afraid of germs now. What's a, what's the fear of smell? What the, is, it, is there a term for that? Yeah, I'm sure there is. You, you go on. I'll look it up. All right. He is not going to be there tonight to answer Seth's open challenge. Osmophobia or olfactophobia? Oh, okay. Gotcha. When he started this, I didn't mind it because, okay, clearly he's not going to be wrestling Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins tonight. So they're giving a reason for him not to be at the arena. Unfortunately, the reason was completely stupid. He has gone off somewhere to meet with this doctor to prepare him for Houston next week, because for whatever reason, he's going to show up in Houston, even though he doesn't want it tonight, because tonight he's, he's established. He does not have to show up for work. He's not going to risk catching something during flu season because the people are vermin and compares Milwaukee to a third world country and cannot take their putrid smell from their body odor. He's concerned with Ebola and E. Coli. So he gets one shot in his arm. And then he undoes his pants as the doctor pulls out this enormous syringe. I, I thought for a second we were in Hershey, Pennsylvania and not Milwaukee. And he injects Ambrose with this shot, with this vaccine shot. So at least Dean's not an anti-vaxxer. That would make him a giant heel to me. And he said he needs his rabies shots for Houston next week. What the... What was this way? What was this? What a strange promo. This has been, I mean, after they are off to a really great start, in my opinion, this has turned out to be a pretty strange heel run for Dean Ambrose. Last week, it was smells. This week, it's vaccine shots. Uh, I can't say this was very effective for me, nor did it seem to be effective at all for the audience. Even on, when he when he was actually cutting a promo, he was he's doing such a generic, you people insulting the crowd you smell you have germs like such a generic promo that that to me feels way below the level of what i would expect from a dean ambrose so i don't know what happened over the past two weeks but i feel this heel turn is just kind of taking a real nosedive sorry no pun intended <laughs> last week was the nosedive yeah now it's now it's the hip oh god this felt like a mid-card comedy heel and not a guy that needs to be uh, the number two heel on the show. So he was backstage, right? I I have to imagine so. Yeah, I mean, I 
I these never really work, do they? Like staying away from from, you know, like do like the heel who stays who does everything he can he can he can think of to stay away from the baby face. Like I feel like I mean, it, I I get the need to let's keep him and Seth apart. We have so many weeks until this pay-per-view and they didn't have a brilliant idea for him, but I'm fine. Don't do physicality. Don't get in. It don't. They didn't interact have a, on this they show. They didn't have a brilliant idea for him. No, so they didn't they, have a good so idea. So they did this. The was, concept was fine. Keeping them apart. The execution was putrid to steal a word. I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not really. So I think you can keep them apart, but I think you need something substantial for Ambrose to do. And this was not that. This does nothing to help me hate that character more. I'm sure they thought, oh, let's just do another home invasion. But they're like, oh, damn it. His wife's here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that of, was the best part. Witch, yeah. We go back to the announcers and Corey. <laughs> Renee, you got to know something. <laughs> Dude, I laughed out loud. I love I love now that they go back to this. This is the running gag on the show. Renee, the <laughs> clueless wife who has no idea what her husband is up to. She says, I live with the guy. I don't know what he's always thinking. He's complicated. <laughs> I would love... To... Sounds like this relationship is complicated. Yeah, I think the story could only end with a divorce from Renee and, and, and Dean. Um, I don't know why they keep cutting back to her. To me, it feels like they have to be building up to some type of angle with oh, Renee. I feel they're... I watch this way, and I feel they're... They want to turn Renee. Yeah. I mean, there has to be something. They're teasing... Like, Corey keeps... Or they keep suggesting that Renee knows more than she's leading on. And so I think, like, when you think about it, what's the only logical solution, right? They wouldn't be calling this much attention to it just to, for nothing. Well, she, she ticks off all the boxes for a WWE heel turn. And it's one box. Who is one of the most likable people on our program? Yeah. Heel turn. Yeah. They turned Daniel Bryan. They turned Johnny Gargano. They turned Sami Zayn. <laughs> Renee Young seems like a surefire bet. They wanted to turn Bailey, but the audience fucked it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. The Lucha House Party came out next, followed by The Revival, who cut a promo on them. Disrespecting the tradition of wrestling, which is like golf. People should be quiet during their matches. It's like, don't encourage them. They'll get there tonight. Don't worry. They, they were in for a great golf match tonight in the main event. So JoJo then announces the match is under Lucha House Party rules, which means it's not only three on two, but tags are optional. Wilder tripped uh, Grand Metalik off a handspring, and the Revival started doing Lucha spots, including Dawson uh, uh, in there with Kalisto, and Corey Graves compared him to Atlantis, which I thought was great. This is Graves just getting out all his Lucha references. Uh, there was a gory special by Wilder. And then we go into this rapid finishing sequence with a Salida del Sol, a Swanton by Grand Metalik, and Lince Dorado pinning him with a shooting star press in 232. Uh, Graves said this takes the sport back six steps by their disregard of the rules in wrestling. Yes, this is completely nonsensical for a babyface act to be doing this. But I, I did find this to be a fun two and a half minutes of yeah. just... Wild Lucha spots that Dawson and Wilder played off of them. And it's getting the Lucha House Party something. And they're really fun to watch. So this this is not on my list of complaints on this episode of Raw. 
I think you can enjoy the wrestling, but but still find fault in in the setup. Clearly, like somebody back there is a fan of this three man act of the Lucha House Party, and in ring they are fantastic. I think their style, like you said, is a great contrast to what you typically see see on Raw. They're a lot of fun to watch. So I guess somebody wanted to put this on on TV, but without the proper setup for it. I think it's really silly to just say this match is contested under Lucha House Party rules and have no explanation about what that is, why that is, and why why this is allowed to happen. I think it it's just you can just get there by like having I don't know Kalisto win something, win some special right in a match that that was really hard fought. So now they for a whole month they get to have three on two handicap matches, something like that, something that I think you know sets up uh this this entertaining three three on two match uh because this was fun but i i i think your audience a lot of your audience is just kind of caught up with what's going on why this is going on rather than being able to enjoy the match itself i'm done asking why i just watched the man inject himself with a real syringe for a rabies shot so i'm done asking why I'll I'll just take fun short wrestling matches. I will say I think this would work a bit better if you had a team like yeah, the Ascension isn't the best example, but a, a giant team. So the the numbers advantage isn't so much um an advantage, it's just they're trying to use their speed and through their numbers to overpower a monster tag team, which the Revival is not. Um but that's a small thing. Again, um I don't know. It was two and a half minutes, which I found entertaining. They replayed Nia Jax's punch to Becky Lynch, and this set up a segment entitled Nia Jax's Lesson in Championship History. Bailey and Sasha did the Cyber Monday sale with Sasha in a Rey Mysterio mask. There was a promo for Lars Sullivan. Uh, Nia Jax and Tamina came out, and Jax is thankful that she broke Becky's face and says how Ronda has gone downhill since facing her at Money in the Bank in June, and marvels at the highlight package, mentioning that Ronda can't beat her, and when they faced off at Money in the Bank, that began Ronda's downfall. And during that time, she became women's champion. Uh, Nia... Sorry, before they they did a whole thing with Lars Sullivan. Yeah, the promo. Right, yeah. And they were mentioning how both brands are trying to grab him. Yes. Uh... The last I had heard, which I guess they can always change their mind, but it was SmackDown. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Nia starts mocking Ronda's promo style. And what did you think about Nia Jax's performance as uh, a parody of Ronda Rousey's promo style, which you've been critical of? I think it's been... I'm glad somebody started to point it out because... Uh... I thought it was a pretty good impression. I think Ronda certainly, you know, you can tell when she gets into promo mode versus when she's genuine. I think she has kind of a tough time, like, transitioning and figuring, like, blending the, and blending the, the two together. It's like she comes out so often kind of, like, you don't have that really kind of genuine smile when the audience is reacting really well to her. And then she'll remember, oh, yeah, I got to stick to the script. Time to put my mean face back on. And I think Naya or whoever wrote this promo, seemed to really pick up on that. I'm glad it was identified. After doing her her impression of Ronda, 
She notes how she won the Evolution Battle Royal, broke Becky's face, and was the sole survivor at the Survivor Series. Ronda comes out to confront her and says Nia comes from a warrior culture where one punch can be heard around the world. And then went on to state that the punch to Becky, quote, changed the history of the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. The entire world changed <laughs> after this punch. Yeah. Yeah. Weren't you there? The, t- yeah. the day that Nia Jax punched Becky Lynch? Yeah. It was like uh, when we switched from uh, BC to AD, uh, we had a new term. Yep. After the punch. Mm-hmm. Her luck has run out. She said, I stand on top of this mountain. And she's going to rip Naya's arm off and slap Charlotte Flair with it. And then referred to Tamina as a monolithic mute. And asked if the two had a big double date coming up. Naya said, no. To a match challenge. She said, I just... Got rid of Becky's blood from my knuckles. And yes, we do have a double date. But Natalia then ran down after they jumped her. The riot squad got involved. And Ronda sent the riot squad packing and tended to Natalia. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually thought um, Naya sounded really, like, uh, improved as a promo. You know, it feels like it, she's starting to be able to vo- uh, talk like her true self. But there's obviously, I think, still something missing. I thought Ronda was kind of awkward here. Um, And overall, it just seemed to make for a a rather awkward exchange between the two of them. So I never really felt the audience reacted to anything all that strongly. Yeah, I didn't think that this was a a great standout segment uh, overall. And I've got to say, though, that I feel very bad for Rey Mysterio, who clearly got attacked by the wrong WWE performer with a neck injury. Guy had to wear a neck brace to Starcade on Saturday. Yeah, I know. But then he just took it right off and had the match. He was very mobile once he got that neck brace off. But that's how neck braces work. Is it? They have healing properties in them. I oh, guess. okay. Maybe Ronda was wearing a neck brace all day last Monday, and that's how she was able to recover. Yeah. But I just watched this, and it had nothing to... Like, Charlotte was brought up once here, but I just thought by the end of this segment, what a waste of a big angle. Like, it's forgotten at this point. They'll revisit it. But it's it, the woman was like a chia pet that just recovered in 24 hours, and I'm supposed to be really just at the edge of my seat waiting for her to get her revenge. Yeah, they'll bring it back up, and you know I think that's kind of Ronda's main target right now is Charlotte, and Nia at this point just kind of seems like an obstacle. It's kind of those one one of those kind of unfortunate things where they had Ronda versus Nia planned already. And then Charlotte versus Ronda just kind of fell into, into their laps. They wanted to have a big angle to close that match. And now you kind of are juggling, you know, like three different matches up in the air for Ronda. You know, a long time ago, I shared this story. I'm not proud of this, but I was, I was a bit of, a, of an annoyance when I was in grade school. And I've shared this story with Way before. But there used to be these uh, electronic pets called Tamagotchis. And people would buy these things and you would tend to it like it was an actual child. It was like this little, this little computerized. Yeah, we know what Tamagotchis are, man. I don't think everybody knows what Tamagotchis are. This is 20 years ago, way. We we have to remember okay. we're we're getting old. So, I learned this uh function at the back of these Tamagotchis is that, you know, you try and raise these things so that they could last for 
weeks and weeks and weeks and they grow up to become these ages. And if you if you stuck something into the hole in the back, you'd reset it to zero. And I do this to some of the people in my class that would leave these on their desk or unattended. So when I first brought up this story, people were very, they just thought, what, what an awful person this guy is. I what was, a, what I a, was horrified. Way just wanted to just stop doing shows with me for a while. It was just a really horrible thing. And the reason people thought that is because I did something really awful that had consequences to it. Now, if I had done this trick where I stuck the, the little needle into the back and reset it, and then my, my friend who I've just devastated grabs the Tamagotchi, just smiles, and then does a double tap to the side of it and restores all of its properties, how mad can you really be at me? You've had n you haven't suffered anything now. You've you've regenerated this Tamagotchi. Yeah, I'm kind of shitty that I did this. But the harm is nowhere near what it could have been if you didn't have this ability to reset the Tamagotchi. And that's what they have done. They have reset Ronda Rousey in 24 hours that yeah, Charlotte's attacks sucked, but am I that mad? No. She Ronda's is, fine. No, she is mad. She's still mentioning uh, Charlotte. But, uh, you know, that's yeah, not the match. Yeah, but I don't care the... that she's mad. I don't care because I don't see this woman was not, uh, did not suffer. This woman did not go through some giant rehabilitation process. She suffered. She's, she's had bruises. How did she suffer? She's got bruises. Didn't you hear Travis oh. Brown point out all the, all the uh, bruises in their kitchen? Yeah, they didn't air that, did they? With uh, her new manager, Travis Brown. Yeah. As her hype man. But it's like uh, part of an injury angle is seeing the effects that that injury has. When when Ricky Steamboat was hit with the the ring bell and he couldn't speak mm -hmm. and he couldn't communicate to his family for months and months. When but they don't have the that luxury. They don't have that luxury. They've got a match to promote at TLC. Well, I I can't be all that invested then in in this angle and I think you got nothing out of this angle as a result. I disagree. I think I think when it comes time to promote the Charlotte match, they'll remind everybody of what exactly happened. I, again, I don't completely disagree with you. I think it's just sort of unfortunate that they have so many matches with so many different uh, uh, opponents to promote involving Ronda Rousey that this is certainly not ideal, but it's kind of what they, they have, have to do. To me, one of the best angles this company has done was Shawn Michaels fainting on raw and he didn't come back to wrestle the next month and he missed a pay-per-view and you had to wait and you had to wait and it became this big comeback story because they teased this could be the end of Shawn michaels can you imagine if he wrestled the following week because we don't want to make him look weak and we can't we can't imagine an episode of raw without Shawn michaels on it and god forbid a pay-per-view back at a time when pay-per-view was the be-all and end-all for them mm-hmm I'm just saying, if you're going to do a massive injury angle, I think the actual injury, that's only one part of it. You have to sell the effects of it so that there's some emotion from the audience that wants to see, that has seen Rhonda uh, sell the effects of this. That she show her at home where she's all laid up and she's got to work herself back to full strength. And she's got Charlotte obsessed on her mind to come back for this. That would make this, to me, even even bigger when they get to it.
To me, it just feels like it's going to be another match by the time we get there. But I digress. We've got more important things to talk about, like Drake Maverick. He recapped the piss segment from last week. And the scene in catering, where the baby faces just made this poor guy feel so sympathetic. And then Maverick cut a promo backstage with AOP, stating that 99% of the people have never experienced real fear like he did at the hands of the big show. And if they did experience that fear, they too would lose control of their bodily functions. If you're, if you're like, I don't know, what's his real name, Drake, the, the rock star spud? What's his real name? You know, whatever. Oh, oh. Like, if you're this yeah. guy in real life, you've been dealt this gimmick, the guy who pisses himself. I'm sure you're just thinking of every way that you can kind of spin this into something that you can overcome and that it'll eventually work for you. And that's kind of how I saw this promo. All right, they've given me the, I'm the guy who pisses himself. How can I turn this into an intimidating promo for my monster tag team. And uh, I guess this was the result. None of you have ever been scared before. Well, I have. And I pissed myself. But I'm completely justified because I've actually experienced real fear, unless, unlike all of you. So he's a real man, I guess, because he, he was scared that much. So much so that he pissed himself. It's a manly thing to do. Oh, God. He said that Gable and Rude will experience that feeling tonight. And AOP piped in. Laugh now. Cry later. I feel the worst for those two guys. You know, that's going to be on the back of a T-shirt. Like Drake Maverick. Okay. He's not even he's not wrestling. He's he's a manager. It's really unfortunate. But I mean, I think AOP are a fantastic monster tag team. And now they have the stench. They have the stain of piss attached to them. AOPP, which thankfully didn't, didn't continue. They did tonight. not, to their credit, bring that up again tonight. I thought for sure they were going to go with that tonight. And they didn't. the announcers never brought it up. And thank, I, I didn't hear any chant of it either. So maybe they've dodged a bullet with that one. Because that was a killer. That was a career killer, that chant. Yeah. Charlie interviewed Root and Gable. They said they'd been working for this opportunity. They had two goals when they became a team, to win the tag titles and make this tag division glorious. So they have a chance to do one of those tonight. AOP versus Root and Gable. Gable did his arm bar in the ropes. There was a tilt-a-whirl head scissors. And then Drake Maverick puts on Bobby Root's robe. And he starts doing the glorious pose on the ramp. And Bobby Root is... So uncomfortably angry at such a nothing action. It's like somebody taking his Tamagotchi. That look. Maverick runs to the back, and then we catch up with Maverick. He's in the bathroom, posing with the robe. We go back to the match, but then we check in with Maverick once again, who is now miked in the bathroom, and he says it would be a shame if something happened to this robe. He placed it onto the toilet, and then we watched him piss onto the robe. Rude is seething at this, and then he gets so distraught from his robe being pissed upon that he is left for dead, and the AOP lift him up with a powerbomb neckbreaker combo to pin 
Bobby Roode. Hey. The first ever penis distraction. Hey, listen. Are you sure about that? I'm not even so sure about that one, John. You You're right. Look, look Maybe not. History books. But okay, in, in, in the catalog of distraction finishes... This was an all-timer. Well, I mean, I'm saying this, one, this would actually be one that uh, would be quite distracting, I would say. To have somebody steal your personal property and appear on a giant screen in an arena pissing on it, that's certainly a lot more, to me, uh, distracting than hearing somebody's music, you know? Um, but were you thrown when the automatic flusher went off too, when Drake turned away from it? I kind of thought it was perfect, actually. Like it was a nice way to encapsulated my exact thoughts on this entire segment. I guess I just kind of look forward to, um, I might actually stop by access this year, John, when, uh, WrestleMania goes to New York on the off chance that they might have this piss stained Bobby Roode robe on display. I'd love to get a picture with this thing. Wonderful. Do you realize that they didn't get their Emmy nomination this year? I didn't they realize so desperately that. Desperately angled for. They held they held an entire event to raise awareness that they should be considered for an Emmy award. Well, I guess nothing now they have nothing left to lose, you know? Yeah, maybe best special effects. Drake Maverick. James Curtin, by the way. Yeah. Well, we know he like uh, stays hydrated, at least. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm sure this is going to go many places uh, from now on. Banks and Bailey were in the back, approached by Alexa Bliss, and she said that you guys did help me win at Survivor Series, and I feel that we just haven't gotten to know each other. Banks tells her to be gone. Alexa says, you don't have to be rude every single day to me. And she offers them a segment tonight where they can go into the ring and answer questions. Bailey said, well, that's going to kill our quarter hour. She actually freaked out, asking Alexa, this isn't one of those this is your life segments, is it? And Alexa responded, no, I wouldn't do that to you. (laughs) That was funny. Yeah. Yeah. One of the worst segments of 2017. Smackdown promo. AJ is going to respond to the new Daniel Bryan. Yep. I wonder if he can maybe communicate to both of them. Becky Lynch will also be on the show. That's what's been promoted. Finn Balor did a selfie promo about Baron becoming a self-obsessed, megalomaniacal blowhard. And he's going to stand up for the right side of history. Yeah. I think Finn's promo is like, it's totally fine. But he's also very, very forgettable. Um, in ring, obviously, he's fantastic. But as a promo, I think he's missing something uh, with, the, with the personality. And I think he's kind of one of those, you know, prime prospects to be turned into a heel for him to uh, really kind of, I don't know, get that spark. You realize that just every baby face is going to fail and the answer is going to be everyone's a heel but the ones that even the ones that are successful even are turned heel yes ember moon versus alicia fox uh ember moon really scored big her replacement for braun Strowman in the mixed match challenge is kurt hawkins yeah to go from braun Strowman to kurt hawkins given that they're undefeated aren't they yes 
are they going to do a gimmick where these two end up winning it and Hawkins what? is number 30 in the Rumble? Oh, man, that's that would be interesting. But I, I, feel, mean, they, but that, I feel but that would be the ultimate payoff to this stupid mixed match challenge, yeah, Kurt but, Hawkins winning. But you can't do that because Hawkins is the guy with the losing streak. So I was kind of scrambling for like ideas as to why Kurt Hawkins was the one chosen. But I guess the, if they do explain something like that, we've replaced your undefeated uh, opponent with the guy who has never won a match before. Well, I now think, he does the winning streak up until the Rumble. Yeah, I think that'd be funny. I wish they would have explained that here. You know, I wish there was some explanation about why these two were, were teaming together. I was trying to think of a team where, name. Where could, these, where could these two go? Well, we need a team name. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there were monster eclipse before. Um, he could be. Um, Fax is his thing, right? Um, Moon Fax, Fax Moon, Max Moon. moon. Mm. All right, moon, that's why we don't eclipse, name these shows anymore. Clips, Eclipse, Clips, Hawk, Moon. Okay, I'll work on it. All right, Moon fought back after being attacked by Fox for a minute and hit the eclipse to win a minute 53 total moon total eclipse of the Hawkins. Oh, okay. (laughs) Total eclipse of the Hawk. How about that? Okay. That's a good one. Whatever. All right. That's pretty good. Make the t-shirt. Just do it. That's not bad. Actually took us a while. Yeah. Nothing interesting happened in this match. Nope. No Way Jose came out afterwards with the conga line. Corey Graves noted there's less rhythm in this conga line than Tom Phillips' wedding. Ember Moon also had to get involved in the conga line, and Renee informed us that she hates dancing. And she was quick to get out of this conga line once it made its way down the ramp. Yeah. I don't blame her. I hate these things. I never partake at a wedding. I always think they're silly. I've never even had the privilege so being in a conga line? No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't see them across the street too often. No, they never break out just in you know regular everyday occurrences. So we came back. Actually, I was almost caught up here, and the prospect of waiting through a commercial break and coming back, uh, your prize at the end of the commercial is no way, Jose and Jinder Mahal. I took a twenty-minute break from Raw at this point, and then I made my way back. This uh, is this is where I was reminded that they just signed Walter. And he soon we might get Walter versus No Way Jose. That dream match. Yeah, well, what will Walter's name be? Herb. Herb. I don't know. Walter. Pitbull. Vince is going to hate that name. Walter. Walter sounds like a dork. That's the I I I I don't even disagree with that Vince, but like that's kind of the genius of it, isn't it? It's a dorky sounding name with a giant. God, he's gonna be like Big Show's love child or something. I don't even want to think Man, about it. Walter in the mixed match challenge is gonna be great. <laughs> Walter and Alicia Fox as a team, yeah. Sign me up. Um. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have a name for that one. 
this one went on forever. I couldn't believe when I looked down and it was only four and a half minutes. Uh, Mahal just attacked him and attacked him and won with the Coloss. I don't want to spend any time talking about this. Man, like, I don't I don't know what's going on with, like... This I, was death for me at this point, and... But, like... I, I could not get back into the show after this. Somebody like No Way Jose. Like, what... What was the thinking, you know? What was the thinking there? Like In general or tonight? In general. Like, okay, like, he... I guess he might have had something in NXT. He kind of got over in NXT. Mm. But then you, you bring him up. Everyone thought this was going to be where he got. The only surprise was how fast he was. He was there in three weeks. In three weeks, he was irrelevant. I guess, like, why Why even invest the time in in this anymore? Like, okay, it didn't work. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's bring bring up Matt Riddle. Bring up, you know, whatever, your Adam Coles and all that. Like, why are we spending time on this? Maybe they're going to turn No Way Jose heel. <laughs> yeah, we're still holding out for that. Oh, and he's he's bringing in he's he's the dealer, and he's bringing in his new uh, his new drug, Walter. Okay, yeah, the most dangerous drug on the street. <laughs> I got Walt. it, Walter White. Yes, I was I was just throwing that one to you. Away. Cole says that Dean Ambrose needs some shanti, and then throws to his bizarre interview. He labeled it where he received vaccines. For the WWE Universe. Michael Cole actually said that line in succession. Huh? What? He needs... Dean Ambrose needs some shanty. And now we go to his bizarre interview where he received vaccines from the WWE Universe. And we replayed this bloody segment. Man. And Renee just kind of looked into the camera. Sorry, this like, man, Dean. Yeah, let's finish this. It's like we've been talking for like eighty minutes know, about know, this terrible show. We're almost there. Seth came out for the open challenge. He said, "I'm done chasing Dean Ambrose and my line of the night, and no vaccines will make Dean immune to Seth Rollins." <laughs> He's an anti-vaxer. Oh, Christ's sake, dude. This feud was fucking dead on arrival. It, no, it wasn't. Like, it was great before. It was great on that first night. I mean, a lot of people are going to criticize, you know, them doing it on the night of, of the Roman thing. But, like, two weeks into it, I thought they were still... They still had a whole lot. I don't know what happened over the past two, though. I, I was actually amazed that they didn't go to the level of working the vaccine stuff into a Roman Reigns line. Oh, my God. Don't oh my god me. Wait. No, I it's know, ca- I know. Like that would it, not I'm even oh my godding me. the possibility yeah. of that because it it would be possible. Yes. Like there is no benefit of the doubt on this show. None. Dolph came out to answer the open challenge. He talked for a long time and the story was he answered the open challenge earlier this year and beat Seth to end his lengthy title reign. So he was going to try and do it again. Early on, they showed the screen above the ring. And zoomed out, and it was a very different style of shot than you typically see inside the arena for a WWE event. I wrote that down because that's all that was notable to me, and I felt this is going to be a long match, and I just wasn't in the mood for a long match. Uh, It did get going. They got through several commercials, and then they got into the near falls. Uh, There was a zigzag for a near fall. There was a famouser. 
Ziggler then starts yelling at Rollins that he doesn't have it anymore, was caught with an inside cradle, Ziggler kicks out, jumping DDT, climbs up, and Rollins then stopped him, hit the superplex into the Falcon Arrow, and he pinned him. I think this is the first time he's won with this, and, you know, this was definitely the best match on Raw, but I was more so impressed by the fact that they let him win with this combo, so now when he hits it in future matches, you have this idea that he can actually win the match instead of this always being a near-fall spot. Yeah, I don't have issue with it at all. I don't think it even hurts Dolph Ziggler. I mean, I guess it would hurt hurt Dolph Ziggler if everybody after this were to kick out of it, but I think he should just start beating people with it. You know, it looks impressive enough. You just have to start winning in order to kind of, you know, give it credibility. So I think they could learn, like, for a, a lot of their television matches now, by necessity, are long matches. And I think it, it would be a great move to have your key stars give them multiple ma- multiple finishers that you believe they can win the match with. I think it would make the body and the middle of the match way more interesting if you had numerous spots that you bought as finishers instead of just one that you're just trained to know that's how the match is going to end. I think that's just something that you could apply to to many different people beyond this. So I like the finish. I did too. But I thought the rest of the match was pretty boring. Um, Maybe the uninterrupted live experience was very different. But sitting through like three blocks of this, I think... You know, it's a match I've seen so much over the past year. And like most of their matches, it starts really slow. But then it gets fast at the end, so we forget about all the slow parts. And yay, this is awesome. But I'm done with all that. Like, I'm, I am I don't need 30 more minutes of this. I had no interest in seeing Dolph win another IC title, so I had nothing that I was watching here for. Um, why not put like somebody like a Kurt Hawkins in, in this instead? You know, at least that would be fresh. How about Zack Ryder? Like, I, I miss... I think part of the, the 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 reason why we remember that John Cena open challenge so much was that it gave a spotlight to, to talent that we never got to see who could have great matches. People like a Zack Ryder. So, uh, I don't know why, of all the people in that roster, they decided to pick the one opponent that Seth Rollins has faced, you know, more than anybody else this year. But I, it was not all that interesting to me. I think the answer was, who is going to go 20 minutes and keep people's attention. And I think Dolph was the person they had the confidence in to do a 20 minute match here with Seth Rollins. And that was probably the decision-making process. I mean, they didn't really keep my attention, but okay. Alexa bliss came out for the open forum that has no restrictions. Any questions can be asked. She brings up Bailey and Sasha bliss starts insulting the crowd and then picks a fan in the front row with a Ronda t-shirt and asks about what changes they would make to the raw women's division. Bailey says, I'm not sure I would change anything. We just want to be given opportunity. There was a light chant of, this is awful. Banks said, well, I would ship you back to SmackDown. Ooh. Bliss says that Bailey brought Sasha down. Sasha's no longer competing for the title and tries to stir things up between Bailey and Sasha. And then Bailey says, well, I wouldn't ship you back to SmackDown. I'd ship you back to hell where you came from. Yeah, fucking push a T and Drake here, way. Yeah, I I guess Bailey's gimmick is that like she's you know she's like um she started off as like a seven year old, now maybe she's now nine. she's a bratty thirteen year old. Well, I was gonna say nine when you discover words like hell 
Well, that's what this segment was. Uh, they get jumped by Mickey James, Alicia Fox, and Dana Brooke. Um, I guess as a heel? I don't know. I don't know. Michael Cole just asks, do Dana you think this? this? Dana was part of this attack. It was three on two. Huh. And then Bailey and Banks fought off the three women with the two of them. So clearly, a Lucha House Party program is looming for Sasha and Bailey. Yeah, when did Dana Brooke turn? Okay, whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. This segment. This was the turnway. Right. Got it. Mixed match challenge promos. It's Balor and Bailey against Lashley and Mickey. And then we had a promo for the Edge and Christian show that I totally forgot was coming back tonight after Raw. Is that the full title? Uh, no. The Edge, the and, Edge Christian and Christian show, show that I totally, that totally forgot was coming you back. You totally forgot. That's the segment. Yeah. That's what it's called. Okay. I, I You know, I'll, I'll be checking this out. Are you going to watch it before Tuesday? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll double shot it. I already have my plans to talk about Starcade, but I feel people might be more interested in hearing about the Edge and Christian. We can talk about it. we can talk about both. Okay, well we can try and fit it in. Then we had a very unfortunate uh, part. Uh, Finn Balor walked out, and that's fine. But I knew what the main event was, and it was only ten forty one p.m. on my clock, and I knew the overrun was not happening. But still, nineteen minutes before the show would end, and it was going to be consumed with Baron Corbin in a match. That was not lighting my world on fire. Okay. Ended with a handicap yeah, match. Let's just get, we'll hold, hold my hand, John. We'll get through this together. I don't know if this was like the worst match I've seen. I can't say that. Probably not. Come on. No, I'm not going to go that far. I struggled. I really struggled to get through this way. I just want this show to be over. And Dude, there's too much were, Baron Corbin on this show, man. It there's too much Baron Corbin. It wasn't just you, man. You look at the the oh. crowd, man. Like take take go back to that main event. If you haven't watched Raw, and probably you're probably not going to plan to at all. But just go on the YouTube clip and just look at a photo of this audience during this match, and it was just. Oh, God. I, I mean, I feel bad for them because they still have to drive through traffic. At least I'm at home watching this. I was fine with Corbin in that opening segment. Got some heat. Mm -hmm. When this guy wrestles, I'm done. I was just out of this. They turned it into a handicap match at the end. So Drew McIntyre got involved. There was a Topecon hero. And then Drew nails him from behind. Claymore kick. He pins Finn Balor. And the heels were out. Lashley joining McIntyre and Corbin to beat down Balor, and they pose to end the, the show. So they're putting all of this heat on the heels for the eventual babyface comeuppance, if they're going to get their comeuppance. And that's how this show ended. Uh, just a... Yeah, one, of, oof, one of the most... The show that should be 90 minutes tops was three hours. No. That's all I can say Dude, about this. This show, show. show should have been five minutes. That's all you really <laughs> needed. This was, I thought, this main event was one of the most boring, coldest main event matches in a long, long time. Uh, and that's, you know, that's on Corbin. I think some of it has to go on Balor as well, you know? Like, his, the the style that, that I think, you know, uh, WWE kind of gives everybody, it's just, it's so formulaic. Every match he has is pretty much the same match. So, um, there was no reason for the match. Um... I've seen it was our second time seeing Baron Corbin. Um, it was uh, it was it was terrible. Um, and I think again shows you maybe the lack of uh, talent they have 
on the main roster on Raw right now with Reigns gone, with Strowman gone. Um, you know, Ronda really kind of is your biggest act and she's not going to wrestle every single week and she doesn't necessarily have the opponents to wrestle every single week. So on the male side of things, who are you really left with, right? Drew McIntyre feels like the biggest star right now. And who's who else? The vaccinator. Oh, those two. Yeah. So those two are stuck doing that. Um, it was really bad uh, to the point where I think SmackDown will. I'm already like you. As bad as last week's show was, I feel like there's no way that SmackDown will be worse than Raw this week. There's no um, way. And and you look at the amount of talent on SmackDown. Why not just do some trades at this point? Come on, let's let's spread the wealth a bit. I think Samoa Joe, uh, could could be is in need of of Samoa Joe and Drade. Um, yeah. I mean, they need some baby faces on Raw too. But I mean, it's like this is not sustainable for a three hour show. Even I mean, even with Braun on the show, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like there there needs to be an infusion. It's not even though there's a lack of bodies, there's a lack of over bodies. Yeah. on this show. That it's just that combination at the moment of Elias, Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor, and Baron Corbin. I feel I've seen every combination of that ten million times, and it was mm. just, um, I don't know. The show needs to be infused with something at the moment, and I understand that they're kind of shorthanded at the moment, but it's just a real indictment of where the star power is, specifically on Raw. And I, I'm with you. I but think again, that it's just so- throw some people. Even even Ronda, like Ronda's probably your most overstar on Raw at the moment, and but she has no one to feud with except like Nia, and all her best opponents are on SmackDown. So, um, it, again, it's just so silly to me that like in the same week that we're talking about them signing up everybody on the Indies, all these amazing acts that we talk about, you know, that aren't on in the WWE on Raw, we we still get this. I I don't really understand. Well, let's get into some feedback. This could be a record low. Scale of 0 to 10. I'm glad you included 0 and didn't start at 1. I'm going to predict this gets a 1. This is one, one. time where I, I maybe you and I are more negative than the forum on I, this show. I feel like our audience is like I don't I don't know if they would ever vote 0. Like I'm trying to think what they would vote 0 for cuz like I I think everybody listening to us is pretty well watched. And they've probably seen some of the wars that wrestling has to offer. Did this reach that level? Maybe not. There's some redeeming value of it. The fun, the funny part is that opening segment. I was surprised at how into the crowd it was. That I was like, you know what, this heel team is uh, this this heat. The three heels, they're they're getting heat here. Yeah. And the show started off okay. And I think had had Rollins and Ziggler been earlier in the show, I think people would have been more high on that match. I think they were just doomed from how late in the show that was. Um, I'm going to say 1.3. 1. 1. 1.3. I'm going 1. 1 on the dot. 0. 0.83. Oh, my God. Wow. This Jeez. is the lowest in history. Yeah, Nothing be. has ever been below a 1. That's amazing. A 0. 0.83. Wow. Our forum never disappoints. They always see things lower than us. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was wrong. This is an all-timer. The archivist has to have this uh, enshrined. So we will remember the, the point this. eight three episode of Raw. Yeah, Whew. we will remember this edition of Raw for years to come, potentially. November twenty sixth. Brandon from Adelaide, 
abysmal Raw. I would have preferred Elias singing Bobby Lashley sucks for three hours. Dean's promos are very uninspired. What is his obsession with smells and his promos now? Seems like they never had a real plan when they turned him. Nia and Ronda's delivery was bland and cringy. Of course, they had Maverick piss on the robe. It's really impressive how quickly they turned AOP into a circus act. Rollins' open challenge just screamed laziness on the writer's part, and having Ziggler answer it was just a repetitive cop-out, regardless of the great match they had. Open forum was an utter waste of time. Sasha and Bailey's stock plummets every week. They deserve much better. Baron Corbin in the main event says all you need to know. Depressingly horrendous show. Dean Ambrose. Oh, my God. We can't go through all of this. There's a lot of feedback here. He says Dean Ambrose just took steroids on TV, yet he's going to pass a wellness test. I mean, they were pretty clear it was uh, was what it was, but the imagery was certainly there for people to make jokes. (laughs) I can't wait for like the next scandal and like some news outlet picking out that clip to use. <laughs> oh my god, D- Dean can never fail a test in his life. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he says, uh, "Is Nia Jack still talking? They just let her out there to die." Ronda wasn't much better. I didn't know to laugh or cry when she said, "Hashtag Facebreaker changed the history of the entire world." And then there's Bliss. She's a gem in any heel role. How they script her as a heel compared to Bailey as a babyface is comical. How can they get one right and one that wrong, especially knowing where they came from in NXT? Why are we still getting Balor and Corbin in Rollins and Dolph matches? Wasn't that literally the SummerSlam matchups? Is this roster that thin that we can't get something different three months later? Mark from Vaughn, do you think Vince is intending for Dean Ambrose to come across as an unhinged heel right now? He's felt like a comedy character in a bunch of segments. What could possibly have been the goal of him dropping his pants? Um, okay. <laughs> I think it's just this obsession with the fans that they think is heat, that it, that's going to be the ultimate way to avoid this guy being cheered. Yeah, but why have to have him take a needle in his ass? Why did they have to do that? Why didn't they just stop with the needles in the arms? What was the point of that portion of that segment? Wait, I'm not going to be able to uh, take your cross-examination. I don't have answers. Andrew from Cape Breton. Raw was kind of boring. They had the continuation of the best of 500 series between Dolph and Seth. I really wish they would take a 205 Live guy and have him in a great match with Rollins. But WWE treats 205 Live almost as bad as they treat SmackDown. Also, how am I supposed to boo a man trying to get vaccinated? Anti-vaxxers will always be heels to me. I also never thought I would see a visual representation of what wrestlers did during the 80s on Raw. But at least Dean did so with the aid of a doctor. I was hoping someone in the crowd would have asked Bailey and Sasha about if they heard of the new promotion the Elite might be a part of. As maybe they should consider their options. One out of ten show. Jay from Colorado. I'm back after a short break, and it seems I could not have picked a worse episode of Raw to come back to. Naya's awful. I really tried to give her the benefit of the doubt, but that promo is one of the worst things I've ever witnessed on Raw. The audience just didn't care. No real heat either way. Just don't react because she can't cut a promo. Poor Ember Moon. What the hell did they do to her? And lastly, I just don't get the P angle with Drake Maverick. It's not even funny by Attitude Era standards. It's stupid. Vince is a 12-year-old boy trapped in the body of a 73-year-old man. My highlight of the night, the show ended at 9 o'clock right on the dot. This man's in Colorado. Now I'm going to take a shower to wash off the stench of this show. Brian from Minnesota. I would like to be positive, but I have absolutely nothing. Raw has drained my soul and I am done. 
Moving forward, I'll listen to Rewind to Raw and catch anything worth watching on Hulu. It's far more entertaining listening to you guys recap anyway. I'm sticking with SmackDown, NXT, and NXT UK. Eric in Miami. I watched an hour later on DV- DVR. Fast forward the Elias match, and I th- thought I forgot to delete last week's episode because there was the same beatdown angle. That Ambrose promo was just awful. Adam from the street said, I spent most of this episode catching up on the cafe hangout. You two are great. The best choice. <laughs> on 1.5 times the speed. Yes, that's right. Thank you, Adam from the street. All of our cafe hangouts, which are live for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso patrons on Thursdays at 3 o'clock. They're also available for free Friday afternoons at youtube.com slash post wrestling. Have you watched Being the Elite yet for this week? I have. Oh, for those that have not, watch the final scene on at least 1.25 times the speed. Cody's acting is way better in uh, uh, a quicker speed. Oh, okay. His convulsions are the best when it's faster. How about his poses? Yeah, those are fine too, but it's uh, on the bed. Go 1.5. It's hilarious. Connor from St. Paul. I was hoping they would have course corrected Ambrose promo after last week, but this just seems like they are doubling down. I have nothing at all nice to say about this raw. My favorite moment was probably hearing that Becky would be on SmackDown tomorrow. One out of 10. Let's forget this happened. Okay. Uh, Ian from Chattanooga says, what an awful show. Open challenge accepted by the one guy that Rollins has faced most of the second half of the year. I can't justify anything more than a one. Dave from Sydney. He hated raw, but he attended the World Series Wrestling Show in Australia featuring Cody Rhodes, and he had some funny comments regarding regarding signing Walter for his new promotion, which makes me feel that Walter may not have signed with WWE, or maybe Cody is making a joke out of it. Cody hasn't wrestled any of these shows either and has instead been having a staring competition. Dwayne Rock Johnson Paper Scissors competition and a thumb war with Joey Ryan for the IWGP United States title. Thank God the wrestling on the card was great. Oh yes, my. I heard about how these two have been, uh, Cody has been defending the U.S. title in these non-wrestling uh, segments with Joey Ryan. I'd be really curious to watch some of those. I wonder how New Japan feels about that. Uh, pr- I would venture to guess not crazy about it. Hmm. Okay, Jalen from Pickering says, So people have wanted to heal Ambrose for years, and his gimmick is that he finds people gross. The only thing that makes him a lunatic is the fact that he's willing to spew this garbage. Best thing about this Raw was Seth finally winning with the Falcon Arrow. That Sasha Bailey segment was pointless and awful, but at least they finally have a new trio of geeks that they can feud with for eight months. And once again, Drew is, a tempor- is in a temporary top heel trio. I guess creativity is too much to ask for from a multi-million dollar company. All right, we continue with Noah from Vaughn. I'm so disappointed with the most talented roster, arguably in the company's history. They've managed to turn Raw into a complete barren wasteland of pee jokes and geek wrestlers. When Ziggler came up for the open challenge, I turned off my TV. I honestly can't imagine the amount of money the elite would need to be offered to go there. Oh, well, yeah. Carl from Cloverdale. This show was bad. Just actively and aggressively bad. At several points, I felt embarrassed that somebody would walk in the room and see what I'm watching. That's about as low as you can go. Two out of ten for Dolphin Seth working their asses off. I Man. mean, outside of the, the peeing stuff, there wasn't that much I would be embarrassed by. Is there? Embarrassed? No, not outside of the pee stuff. Bored. Um, yeah. 
Bull. Uh, the Dean Ambrose stuff was pretty stupid. That yeah. was pretty stupid. Right. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest Kelly Rudies. Good evening, gentlemen. Been a fortnight. How are you? Just passing through on this cold night. Apologies for my irrelevant emails recently. Been suffering from writer's block. I'll be better than ever soon. I could, I could write more about nonsense like that, like what I had for dinner or my day at work, because it would probably be better than that episode of Raw. Because, man, what a turd of a show. Hold up. I'm in a rest hold as Raw rolls on. Do we want to go into some meanderings? Of course. Are you, are you in the, yes. the mood for some meanderings? Tonight I am, yes. From a scale of one to Yama pit fighting, what would you rate the Chuck Tito fight from the Golden Boy show on Saturday? You and I actually forgot to talk about this off the top, so Brandon from New Jersey with his most salient uh, question ever. Uh, you did watch the fight, correct? I watched the main, yes. And did oh. a tear for him by the end. Oh, uh, n- I mean, it wasn't, no, not so much a tear, more so like, uh, I felt dirty watching, watching it. Like, I felt like I even, uh, like, I feel like I was watching something I shouldn't be watching. Like some, like underground, like dogs fighting or something. Like a person who shouldn't be fighting was fighting and getting hurt and felt kind of gross. Um, and I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I, you know, like that said though, like they looked in great shape, like Chuck looked in great shape, but once, um, you know, I guess you can look amazing, but I like, clearly he is a man who really misses the lifestyle of a fighter, preparing for a fight, training for a fight, getting into shape. He clearly needs something to motivate him to wake up in the morning and training for a fight is it. I just wish he could find something that allows him to do all that stuff without the fighting part itself. Cause you know, I want Chuck Liddell to have a good life. I want him to feel motivated, but I don't want to see him take part in another mixed martial arts match again. Yeah. So as not to alienate our just strictly wrestling listeners, the best comparison to this on a wrestling level, because I, I think he very much was this character to UFC's growth would have been, Steve Austin coming out of retirement and just shitting the bed in his comeback, which was always Austin's biggest concern. When you look at all the money that guy has turned down for potential comebacks and one more match, he's turned it all down over the last 16 years. I would add, though, John, like the, the difference here but is But now that a real fight, yeah. The per- Steve Austin could be getting hurt, so it'd be Steve Austin like doing a Hell in a Cell match or something, you know, or Mick Foley doing a hell in a cell dive at the age of 50. Right. And, you know, for so many people, they got into MMA through Chuck Liddell and his fights with Randy Couture and coming off the ultimate fighter. Like he was the top star from 2005 through 2008. He was the guy. He was just a gigantic star. And, you know, he was starting to get knocked out near the end. And that was always my concern. I remember how how that guy was not able to walk through punches he used to. And that was in 2009. That was in 2010. Like punches that he should have been able to, to eat at that time, he couldn't anymore. His chin was gone then. So I like this was my prediction of what was going to happen in this fight. It was Tito stopping him in the first round. And that's exactly what happened. The chin and was gone, but also this, everything else was gone. His speed was move. gone. His balance was gone. Power 
I mean, I don't know if he still had power or not, because I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to see it. Um, but just like he just did not look all there. I, I don't think he's going to fight again. I don't. I, I thought that was honest. To be on, to be quite honest, as bad as the fight was, the worst part to me was Tito encouraging this guy to continue fighting for Golden Boy. Like this guy is our golden ticket. Tito's not playing the fight again, so we'll throw Chuck in again. I was like, this. That is the last thing this guy needs to be hearing right now. And, I mean, Chuck didn't even look like he was all there at the end. Um, you know, he kind of just shook it off. I got caught. I hope that's not the conclusion he makes, that he just got caught. And he yeah. could somehow come out with a different expectation the next time. I don't what, want there to be a next time. When you're in the fight itself, I'm sure it's a very different experience to Tito. I think he was looking at the person across from him as the Chuck Liddell of old. And, like, somebody who... Still posed a, a, an incredible threat, and he, I'm sure he considered his win against Chuck Little here to be a real big achievement. Um, but I think from the outside looking in, it felt like a very different story. Yeah, it was a sad fight. Um, I don't know if Golden Boy is going to do another card. I mean, they. I think this probably did pretty decently on pay per view. I, I pegged this doing like, I guessed seventy to seventy five thousand buys, and based on the interest on Saturday night, maybe I'm a little low on that. Um, we're going to find out the gate was very good. Um, they did really well at the forum. They drew about 7,800 people. So, I mean, it was, you know, a fine outing that they had. The problem is how many of those people are going to come back? Well, that's the thing. What do you headline your next card with? Are you, are you going to bring Ken Shamrock out of, to fight again? Uh, like the, who could you headline a card with? Tito says he's not going to fight again. Chuck should not be fighting again. So who is your attraction? Like this was, no one was paying to see any of the undercard. It was based on those two guys and reviving a legendary feud that you can't ever do again. And there's not guys like that that are out there. Like a Vitor Belfort. I don't think you're going to have the success that these guys had. Um, So I, I don't know. I don't really know how viable they are to to continue uh, beyond this one night, because this was really promoting CM one CM Punk. CM Punk. On pay-per-view? You think people are going to pay to see CM Punk in any know. large numbers on a non-UFC pay-per-view? God, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, they, it wasn't a big number for his last one in Chicago. So I, I think that kind of ship has sailed as well. Finally, uh, let's go yeah, to our last, last piece of feedback. Ventac from Mumbai. First time poster here. I usually catch the show on replay as the live broadcast starts at 6.30 a.m. out here. But I was off work and up early and I figured I would watch the show live. Boy, was that a mistake. I started off my day watching a guy piss on someone's jacket. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Raw went downhill from there. What is Dean Ambrose's character even supposed to be? Pro-vaccination? Anti-pests? How are Revival heels in this feud against the Lucha House Party? Isn't it like Storytelling 101 that the good guys have the disadvantage against the bad guys? Rematches, handicap matches, which don't really make sense, awful promos, incompetent baby faces, evil authority figures. This Raw was just plain boring. It really is uninspired and repetitive storytelling. And so ends the November 26, 2016, 2018 episode of Raw. Felt like this show outlasted two years. Before we go, way, say when. Oh, now. Congratulations to this week's t-shirt recipient. It is going 
two. Now. Justin Hathaway. All right, awesome. Thanks. I I I, I should have remembered. This Justin Hathaway, you are the winner of our post what what are they taking? Post wrestling combo pack. Thank you to everybody who took part in our uh, Black Friday sale, uh which just concluded as we were recording this show. A very successful weekend for those of us Ooh. at post wrestling. We are rich now, John. We could retire. We could stop <laughs> See you guys. Shows. We're done after tonight. Uh, but no, seriously, store.postwrestling.com. You can still get all your shirts. We'll be putting up some new new merchandise out there. And we'll be announcing probably uh, more perks for uh, for p- patrons of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So do stay tuned. Uh, Justin Hathaway, uh, please send me a message. You win a post wrestling combo pack. All right. A few site announcements before we get out of here. All very important stuff. First of all, uh, Way and I will be back Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown and the Double Shot. Uh, we'll chat a bit about Starcade. Uh, we're both going to try and watch the Edge and Christian show. And the latest, being the Elite, uh, will be among the subjects covered on Tuesday night uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber. Yeah. Wednesday, really excited for this show. It's going to be Martin Bushby, Benno, and their guest Will Cooling chatting about a super newsworthy week. Uh, when it comes to the UK scene. So uh, if you have not heard their show, uh, first of all, you're missing out. Second, this is the show I would suggest you jump on because they are going to be dissecting all of the news this week with Walter, with the new contracts, and what the landscape is going to look uh, from three people that are there living in the UK that are attending these shows and uh, making sense of all this news. Thursday. Way and I are going to be live 3 p.m. Eastern time with the Cafe Hangout. We will be live for our double-double ice cap and espresso members, and we're going to be joined. We'll go through all the news of the day, take some calls, and we will be joined by uh, Jan Murphy from Chinlock Wrestling. They're running a big fundraising show, a wrestling card, on Saturday in Kingston, Ontario. Tyson Kidd is going to be appearing. Vicky Guerrero is appearing on that show. Ardo Cal, who is not an easy guy to... Uh, to book these days uh, is also going to be on that show. So we'll, uh, we'll have Jan on for uh, for a couple of minutes to chat about uh, what's going on in wrestling and a bit about the show on Saturday. Uh, plus we have up that, next coming out. And that show will Thursday. be free again on the YouTube on the, on the following day. Right. Yes. Uh, YouTube.com slash post wrestling. Look for that Friday up next uh, out on Thursday and then ask away on Friday for all of our Patreon subscribers. And the week concludes with eggshells on Saturday uh, with Sean Radigan of Pro Wrestling Torch joining Chris Charlton. Final thing is our year-end shows. I know everyone is at the edge of their seat. What what do you have planned for the end of the year? Well, we have quite a number of shows planned, but two you can bank on. Our best of 2018 show. And more importantly, specific to tonight's Raw, the worst of 2018. Oh, Those I got be- to remember this episode. Damn. I got to write this one down. We might just file this show as our submission for worst of 2018. Uh, we can probably pick apart many of the segments. So this year, uh, joining us on the panel will be Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. We're going to have quite the array of selections and picks. And the fifth panel member will be you, the listener at home. We are going to be launching a uh, Google Doc this coming Saturday, December the 1st where you can submit all of your picks in all of the different categories. And the voting is going to be open for about three weeks. You can get in all of your picks, and then the top vote-getters uh, will be read out on the shows, on the best-of show, 
and the Worst of Show. We have also switched up many categories this year, and we will be revealing all of the categories on the Cafe Hangout this week. We will go through all the different categories you can vote in, and then the voting goes live this Saturday, December the 1st. Sounds great. That's a, that's a whole lot that you covered there, John. I think I got everything. Yeah. So uh, thank you for bearing with us. We hope you enjoyed the show. That is it for us. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak with you on Tuesday night.